Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we casually discuss the Animorphs one book at a time. I'm Casey. And I'm Alex. And we're going to talk you through the plot of each book. But more accurately, take you on tangent trips, factoid forays, and say, well, actually, as much as possible. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month, and we'll take you along on our mission. And we promise to have you back under the two-hour time limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a grave announcement to make. Incredible as it may seem, both the observations of science and the evidence of our eyes lead to the inescapable assumption that those strange beings who landed in the Jersey farmlands tonight are the vanguard of an invading army. Okay, well, Uh. would you rather have a Veronica Mars Animorphs crossover or an X-Men Animorphs crossover? X-Men Animorphs crossover, no question. I mean, yeah, it was kind of a rhetorical question. (laughs) 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 I mean, I think that, like, X-Men and... And Animorphs crossover is more like fan fiction territory. Like that's uh-huh. like, oh, here are two things that like aren't super compatible, but I'm gonna force them together because I love these two things. But Animorphs and Veronica Mars were like, oh, conceivably these are in the same universe. Yeah. Because they have that like same level of campiness. Veronica Mars is like a the detective stuff is very much in line with like how the animorphs solve problems where they're like here are the super cool ways we learn to like get around this and like outsmart mm-hmm. visor three and blah 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 where if you like take one step back you're like oh yeah that would never work gotcha so like it they'd really match well like they would vibe well i think better than x-men and okay and animorphs i was trying to remember if there's any x-men that has the power to morph or turn into an animal the oh, only one i can think mystique. of is mystique yeah uh, there's also in the newer ones this girl that turns into a squirrel. Squirrel girl. Um, squirrel girl. Oh. There's. I mean. Uh, there, there's, yeah, there's totally a few. I mean, there's Beast Boy from Teen Titans. Teen Titans go. Yeah, there is Beast <laughs> Boy from Teen Titans. <laughs> so Sean Ashmore, Mr. Jake. Sean Ashmore. Yeah, we're talking about Sean Ashmore today, kids, ladies, and gents. Let's ride this segue right down to Animorphs Town, which is where I take up residence. 101 Main Street, Animorphs Town. <laughs> oh, my God. Um. <laughs> so um, let's clear one thing up first. You were sending me yeah. reaction gifs, gifs, whatever y'all want to call them. Pre- pre-reaction gifs. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like I was reading them and signing them. It's like, here's how I feel about the books in, in gif form. Yes. Okay. Please, please clarify that for me. Um, okay, well, the gif I sent was one of David Tennant. It was from his, uh, what was it, Hamlet, something like that? The the One of the plays he did, the one where he wears the Superman t-shirt and the shorts and says many funny things and walks around ridiculously. <laughs> and it was him trying to drink beer through a silly straw and just very drunkenly, like, moving his head around, like, to try and, like, take that sip. Like, whoa, this is too much for me. I need to drink. But also the silly straw is making it difficult. <laughs> And I just think that that's a really good, not only reaction to this book, but that's, like, symbolically what this book is to me. Like... A drunken mess? There's this... The, well, there's the drunken mess portion of it. Like, oh my god, this is so insane. Like, it's drunken. But then there's that silly straw, and it makes it fun. And who doesn't like being drunk every once in a while? Like, <laughs> this is that book. Oh my goodness. <laughs> It's got layers. <laughs> it, I guess. Oh my god. 
Like, what? okay, so what did you think of this book? This book is whack as hell. That is what I think. <laughs> I just broke the audio real bad yelling at it. Holy <laughs> wackadoo. I, we just got through some really heavy shit, and now we're in, like, goofball <laughs> territory, Helmicron shit. And it was, like, it was so weird. Like, everything about this book is, like, so wacky. Yeah. And, like, there's some, you know, it's got a few scenes where it's, like, that classic Animorphs, dark, gory, nasty guts stuff. Mm-hmm. But then it's, like, welcome to the city of Atlantis. Disney's Atlantis, everybody. <laughs> Just go watch that movie if you want to know what this book is about. Because there's some scenes that are directly in that movie. Yes, and Marco constantly goes, we found Atlantis. Welcome to Atlantis. This is Atlantis. And it's, <laughs> yes, Marco, we get it. Yes. And, like, I I always, like, I know, I know this book because it is so wacky that I do, like, when I think of Animorphs overall, I do remember it. But the line that always stands out in my head that, like, for whatever reason has stuck there since I read this as a small child was... The one where, because somehow I did read this one as a small child, and then again in college. I don't know how this, probably because it had an orca on the cover. Okay, solved. It had an orca, so I bought this book. Read it as a child. <laughs> the part where they're going through the tunnel, and they feel the electric current when there's sharks, and then Rachel says it feels like biting into tinfoil when you have a bunch of fillings in your mouth, oh. and Marco's like, I thought you were the pinnacle of oral hygiene. And, like, it was one of those things that, like, I, at one point, I couldn't even, like, really place this book. Like, I vaguely remembered something about Atlantis people, but that line is, like, forever embedded in my head. Wow. I have no idea why. It's not important. It's not. I, maybe it's a dental thing. I don't know. I mean, the it's a very visceral image of biting into tinfoil with a bunch of fillings. Like, ugh, I can feel that yeah. in my body. It's cringy. But. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I think that this book, I, my <laughs> thesis, will prove to you the next two hours that we're discussing this book that that gif of David Tennant trying to drink beer from a silly straw and being too drunk to really get it is this entire book. Sweet. <laughs> a thesis. A thesis. <laughs> I'm hanging my master's degree hat on this. Good. <laughs> oh my god. It's nuts. And ultimately it didn't really contribute anything to the overall series except for like maybe some character stuff but like plot wise it was completely a one-off adventure i feel like yeah unless i it comes uh, back later but i don't think it will no it's it's like a one-off adventure and i always think that this is way earlier in the series because of the like how it is a one-off adventure because at this point we're so far into the animorphs narrative that like Every book is kind of counting at this point. Like, every book is moving or, like, hitting something. And then this one was, like, oh, well, we made it to, like, what, 30, what are we, 36 with this one? And they're, like, here's a wacky adventure after Vizzer. Yeah, it seems kind of ill-timed almost. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't, like, this should have happened, like, 20 books ago, like, back when they were, you know, still figuring everything out. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, and this, and especially because, like, probably the only thing that this book does is talk more about how Jake is is learning to cope 
with having to make decisions as a leader. And even when he makes the wrong decision, how he's learning to work around that or to live with himself. This is like the only kind of advanced thing in this book. And that totally would have been a better message 10 books ago. Yeah. And so I don't know. And I was, you know, I, I always try to make guesses like early on in the book or at least recently (laughs) I've been trying to do that. Um, now that yeah. I've kind of, like, got the Animorphs worlds and the writing style, like, figured out. Um, but, like, I felt like they started a bunch of different potential paths and then didn't resolve any of them. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Like, There's a bunch of shit they... I was expecting to happen and then it didn't happen. And it went in a yeah. completely weird direction. <laughs> it did. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just looking now, and this ghostwriter we don't ever see again... Um, her name is Erica Babone. Babone, Babone, which I love, actually. And um, so this is really interesting. She's one of the few with a profile here on Wikipedia, and she's a novelist, screenwriter, and stand-up comic. Huh. She was a material writer for David Letterman. Interesting. I Now that you mention that, I feel like there were a lot of kind of goofy lines in this book. There were so many goofy lines and like like a lot of the characters here like we're I think we're really used to, at this point having our hero character who is whoever's narrating the book and then two supporting characters and then the rest of the team falling behind it. Yeah. This book didn't follow that format at all. Like obviously we had Jake as our hero character, but he was just really like a narrator in this book. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't get into his head a ton and we interacted with the whole team like relatively Relatively evenly. Yeah. Yeah. I would say. I totally agree. Yeah. So it was very much like a. I could see where like that script writing for multiple people came in because you're not going to have people like on a joke show and like let some of the people that you paid money to have on your show fall to the background. Yeah. So maybe that's that. I don't know. I'm guessing. I'm really grasping. I know nothing. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't know. Uh. But yeah, it was very funny. And a lot of the times I found myself like going out of the way note taking to like set up one of the jokes just so I could like include it because it was like funny enough that I'm like, oh, yeah, we should talk about this. This is great. Mm-hmm. Should, should we just get into the details of this? Because this is yeah. fucking nuts, this book. Yeah. Okay. Jake jolts up to the sound of the phone ringing and grabs it. It is 3 a.m. Cassie is on the line that they use and... She's like this thinly veiled code that they have to meet in half an hour, which is something like, oh, are those math problems keeping you up? And Cassie's like, yeah. And Jake's like, well, try counting sheep. I'm sure you'll be asleep before you hit 30, meaning like I'll be there in under 30 minutes. So Jake then looks towards the hallway. He's relieved to see that no lights flick on. This 3 a.m. phone call has somehow not awoken anyone else in his house, including the controller that sleeps right next to him. (laughs) (laughs) somehow somehow he's the only one uh then he starts to morph to peregrine he jumps out the window and he goes to fly to the barn oh my god and get this fucking night bird morphs i don't know how to tell you they use owls later in this book for this exact reason i don't want to have to tell you again (laughs) don't make me tell you one more time applegate well it's not even applegate now yes I was mad. Babone! Babone! (laughs) 
Yeah, so we use this time that he's flying out to the the barn to talk about, like, these are my friends. This is how we got the morphing power. This was, we defaulted back to talking about the construction site, which is not something we've seen in a little while. Like, they've kind of not mentioned the whole construction site thing. Like, they mentioned the war and, like, oh, we were given the power to morph by Elfangor and blah, blah, blah. But this was a throwback for me. Um, they talk about the war, talk about the power to morph, and this is where Jake starts talking about how he feels like he shouldn't be enjoying this power because it's meant to help them fight, but he does sometimes enjoy it. He likes becoming animals. Uh, and then he mentions, like, for some reason, I'm the leader of this band of guerrilla fighters, which is a funny pun I like to throw in a lot. (laughs) Um, and he's like, I don't know why I'm the leader, and mostly I'm embarrassed when Axe calls me Prince Jake, but every once in a while, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty proud of being Prince Jake. Weird. Um, it was a little weird, but, like, I kind of, I kind of get it. I, like, I can see it. I'm not totally out of, like, oh, that's not something Jake would say. Like, I could, I can make the leap. But, um, then he goes on to say that he's really proud when they win, He's also proud when they don't win, but they did their best in a bad situation, which is really just foreshadowing for this whole book. I, I kind of felt that was a little weird because, like, I, yeah. I, I got the impression before that, like, he's not proud because they have to do so many kind of morally ambiguous things. And, yeah. I, you know, I feel like that's something you have early on when you haven't seen a lot of the bad shit. Um, but I don't know. I read it more like when he makes a really good call and when they come out on top, he's proud of his team and he's proud of what they've accomplished. Not so much like, like, yeah, he called me Prince Jake because I helped to lead this team to this victory. So I'm proud of that. Not so much like, I'm really cool. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I could also read it as I'm really cool. I mean, I'm really proud of them, but <laughs> I'm sitting <laughs> safely in a house. Yeah, battling an alien invasion. (laughs) (laughs) To the best of our knowledge, Uh, you could be hiding it. Oh dear. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Um. Whatever. It was weird. So finally, Jake makes it to the barn, and inside he can hear Cassie talking to a Hortbizer. Not this again. Um. I know, but this one's real sad, yeah, guys. So Jake walks into this horrible scene. On the operating table, there's this Horkbizer that is clearly a Horkbizer, but also very clearly something else. Like, something is wrong with this creature. Uh, Jeremy is standing with Cassie and Toby and is completely distraught. And Jake, when he walks in, he's like, listen, there's this Horkbizer. His name is Han Tanad. And he was the subject of a terrible experiment. Visor 3 is trying to create this underwater force because he wants to find the Pemolite ship. So he's making ships and he's also experimenting on Horkbizer to try and make them uh, have physiology to be able to like swim and breathe and everything underwater. So all of the... Yeah. So were the Lirans like Visor 1's thing? Like he has no access to Lirans? I, I kind of forgot. I... Yeah, like, Vizzer 3 also I mean, he's- felt like he was working with the Lyrans, but yeah, you're right. That probably was more of a Vizzer 1 thing. Yeah. 
And also, I don't know that they have any more Lyran controllers after they figured out they could break their heads open and scoop out the brain that had the ear. Oh, yeah, that whole book where they were on Lyra and they battled and Axe did some cool shit. Oh, my God. I can't believe I forgot about that. Um, (laughs) One of your least favorite books. (laughs) Was it? I don't know. I felt like you didn't like it that much because it was another off-world book. Yeah, I don't love those, if I'm honest. Yeah. Except for the Howler one. Uh, Okay, well, the Howler one was fucking amazing, so... Fran Drescher aliens are my goal. <laughs> That's my peak. Uh, anyway, sorry for interrupting. Even though I do no, it constantly. No, please, interrupt. I, that's what I live for, uh, honestly. That's what I live for. It's what I live for. So the whole time that they're talking about this poor Horkbizer, he is dying in front of them. Like, he is struggling to breathe, and he starts this gurgling noise, and... Jake's like, Jake just reacts. He grabs the oxygen tank, dra- drags it over, and Cassie stops him. She's like, it's this valve in, their, in his throat. They tried to modify something to make him breathe underwater, but the valve is malfunctioning. I've tried to get in there and force it to stay open, but it was unsuccessful. It's useless. This hork is going to die. And at this point, Jara starts freaking out. He's going, no, 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 Han not die. And it's because, Toby tells us, it's because Jara and Han used to be really good friends. Aww. And so Jara is trying to comfort his friend and Toby's trying to comfort Jara and saying like, it's okay. It's Han's time to go beyond. It's all fine. Uh, And then Han finally passes away and stops breathing. And it's this really like poignant moment of like, Jake thinks like there was silence in the barn and suddenly there was one less creature breathing in here. One less creature on earth. I loved that line. And then, yeah, it was like, it was beautiful, and it was also this really, like, I don't know. Maybe I'm too too close to a death right now, but... <laughs> oh, no! It's like... No, no, no. Um, it's fine. It's like that moment where it's, like, really kind of small and, like, intimate and right there in front of you, and then you get that, like, kind of broadening sense. Like, oh, like, this person or this animal will never exist here again. And yeah. it's like... It, it captured that exact, like, kind of, like, zoom in, zoom out that is really, I think, truthful towards, you know, dying mm-hmm. and, and death. Yeah. So, yeah. <sighs> so, it was that beautiful moment. And then uh, Jake looks towards the rafters, towards the opening where Tobias always flies into the barn. And he can see that now it's almost sunrise. And he thinks, sunrise on a new day that Han will never see. Aww. Um. And then Cassie calls to him, and Jake just opens his arms to her, and they hug each other, and they hold each other until Jera oh. and Toby had carried off Han's body. Oh, damn it. Yeah, it's really sweet and really deceptive towards the rest of this fucking book. <laughs> it is! It truly is! It's so heavy in the beginning. Yeah, and, like, at this point, it's like, oh, this is going to be a book about the hork yeah, and, and it's going to be the Pemelites. It's going to be really heavy. And we're just, <laughs> then we get, then it just keeps going. <laughs> this is the silly straw. This is the first turn of the silly oh straw. Oh, my God, you're totally right. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Metaphors, man. 
This is, I told you, this is my grand thesis where I'm wrapping this all up into a gift. This is amazing. <laughs> oh, man. So the whole team meets in the barn the following morning. And there's only a quick mention of where, where Jake goes. This is just where a few hours earlier Han died. And now it feels like a totally different space that the whole team is here. And they're discussing what to do about the Pemelite ship. Because when when Han was dying, Toby did mention, like, they're trying to find the Pemelite ship. That's why they're making all these forces. And Jake had already sent Axe and Tobias out earlier to collect information from both the Horkbizer and the Chi. So now they know the location of the Pemelite ship, which is a Navy testing ground with many unexploded items, which they really make it sound like that's going to really factor into this book later mm-hmm. on. Spoilers. Never fucking matters. I know. Oh, I was so excited. <laughs> I know, right? This sounds like it's like a really cool mission that they're leading up to. Yeah. So, it, anyways, um, <laughs> they have a few guesses about the nature of the the sea blade, and the team is trying to come up with a plan. But Jake points out now, in a very introspective moment, that at any given time when they're planning this mission. Half of his team is going to be really difficult. And he includes himself in that. He goes, sometimes I'm the most difficult one. Um, so right now he's like, Axe and Rachel are doing exactly what I expect of them. Axe is like, you know, spitballing, willing to go on the mission. Rachel's like, let's kick some ass. That's fine. But then he's going, but Tobias hates water missions. So no matter what he says, Tobias is going to be upset about this. Marco doesn't even think we should go on this mission. He's like, this is a total bust. Who cares if, you know, about the Pamelite ship? They can just move it. And Cassie is, like, bloodthirsty. She wants to go exact revenge for what Visor 3 did to the hork And that's what Jake is the most worried about. Okay. Um, yeah. First of all, you are not giving Tobias enough credit because he did amazing on the last water mission, if you don't remember. Yes, he did. Oh, my God. Yes, he did. Ugh. He was a good boy, conquered his fear for the most part. I mean, he's probably never going to love water, but I don't know. Right. And it's Tobias isn't complaining. Jake is just mentioning, like, I know Tobias hates this shit. So, yeah, he's not giving him enough credit. But also Tobias is not, like, having a meltdown in the background that I'm not mentioning because I'm an unreliable narrator. (laughs) Like, this is on Jake. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, you know, maybe it's just him kind of, like, just being extra sensitive to Tobias as he is wont to do, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, like, the other thing is, yeah, Cassie being vengeful over Han. That was interesting. Yeah. And, uh, like, normally, she she holds on to this stuff. Like, this upsets her. This is, this is horrible. And it is horrible what happened to Han, but, like, this is so not like Cassie. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, the only other time I've seen her actually, like, want to kill somebody is Visitor 3's little brava. Um... Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, where she made Jake. Yeah, do it. where she wanted Jake to do it, and you know, but that was like preemptively to save that little boy, right? And and well, I well no, I don't know if it was to save him, but whatever. Um, it was preventative. It, I mean, it was. It was preventative. Yeah. It wasn't revenge. So yeah, this is right. I don't know. It was weird. Well, and the guy was like a serial killer. That's true. Like, like he, he needed. He to wasn't be gonna stop. Yeah. 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 Um. Not that Visor 3 isn't, but, you know, still. Yeah. But, like, so, like, in Axe's, in the cow book, with the chimpanzees that they were 
testing on. Like she didn't, mm-hmm. she was upset about that, of course. And, but she, it was more like a sad upset. Like I accept yeah. this is a factor of our world, but I still don't like it. So I'm going to free these chimpanzees. But like, she wasn't like, I'm going to kill the fucking visitor three for messing with these chimpanzees. Like, so this feels, yeah. this is the only other situation I can equate it to, but it, yeah, it just feels weird. It feels very weird. Uh, and, like, unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Um, because it didn't drive or detract from this mission in any way. Yeah. And, like, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like maybe part of the reason she's extra upset is because she mentioned um, when Han was dying that that Visor 3 did not take into account the physiology of the hork and he just, like, kind of tried to splice yeah. these new parts and organs onto them. And yeah. she was, like, commenting on how, like, stupid that was. So it's like, is she, like, personally offended by Visor 3's idiocy and lack of caring about doing a good job making these weird mutations? I don't know. Maybe... Okay, this is a stretch, and I'm kind of playing devil's advocate because I agree with you, but maybe the whole, if we go all the way back to book four, Cassie's reason for fighting in this whole war is to save animals, to save Earth, because that's what her, where her alliances lie, is she wants to save all of nature and not let the Yerks destroy things. So maybe him just kind of slapping gills and a few other organs onto a hork and like trying to throw them in the water like here go work yeah she's kind of like here is like a very um like small example like a micro example of what he wants to do to like the macrocosm like Uh this is what he will do to the earth and how he will pervert it and destroy it and let it die and maybe it just like reignited that fire for her yeah i like that actually like, you know, if he takes over Earth, what is he going to do to all these creatures? Like, he's either going to wipe yeah. them out or he's going to, like, bastardize them for his own gain. So, yeah. Oh, my God. Ooh, I like that. I like that headcanon. <laughs> We've done it. Awesome. <laughs> we cracked the case. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is a really intense start to this book. Yeah. Uh Oh, although I should mention before I say this is really intense and like we really get like poignant with this. Um, in the background of this whole thing, they are having a conversation about acquiring the new orca at the gardens named Swoosh because Nike won the contest to name the orca. Ugh. <laughs> also, no whales in captivity. Yeah. Yes. And also, they specifically say one orca at the garden. Don't. Don't isolate your orcas. These are group animals. And also, no, do not put them in captivity. And I, like, oh, my God. And I have so many whale updates now that I've completely forgotten that I've collected for this show. (laughs) And I just realized I've never said. Like, like, (sighs) updates meaning real life examples of why? Yeah. Like, so you know the Russian sea pen orcas and belugas? So the Russian government came down and said, you've got to release these guys, which nobody expected. Everybody's like, Russia is not going to give a shit. So it was a major victory. The problem was they were asked to rehabilitate them for release. And they just drove them like across Russia and let them go in the ocean. But um, 
looks like most of the animals did at least go towards where pods are. It's only the the youngest killer whale has been hanging around in the bay begging for oh, fish no. from, from people. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. So, I hate that. I, it's horrible, but maybe <sighs> not a total loss because it does look like some maybe got back to other whales. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the baby's not doing so oh, good. No. Uh, also, we've lost, like... 2% of the right whale population. Yeah. There was three major boat strikes in Canadian waters. They found three of them dead. This is horrible. Why did I do this? <laughs> Why did you bring us into this sad land? Oh my I god, mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, you know, people should know this shit, though. Like, this is the reality of our situation. Well, here's the, the real reality. Let me just get on my little soapbox here. This isn't <laughs> news per se, but there is an orca at the Miami Seaquarium. It's this female orca. Um, I'm blanking on her name right now. But she has lived there for like 50 years. And she's been alone for like 30 of them. Because her mate that was with her, Hugo, died of like an aneurysm smashing his head on the side of the oh, tank. They, some people suspect he killed himself. But that's maybe personification. We're not really sure. Yeah. Um, so she's lived there alone. She's like the sweetest orca in captivity of all time. Her tank is too shallow, too small, but because it's been there for so long, every regulation they've put into place for orcas of this is how you have to keep them, she's, like, her tank has been grandfathered into, like, we don't need to worry about her. That tank's, like, a billion years old. She also has no shade, and she can't get out of the heat, and she lives with a bunch of dolphins and is, like, basically blind from the chemicals in the pool. Oh, my God. It's horrifying and there's so many people saying you need to retire this whale like she is a senior whale at this point and you need to like put her in a sea pen let her interact with her family that you took her from because she was one of the whales from the alaska um drives when they were allowed to take orcas out of alaska which they haven't been able to in many 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 years they they banned that completely Mm -hmm. So um, she's not part of the Icelandic population that came in later. She's one of the original Alaska orcas. And, uh, like, everybody's like, you got to get her out of there in a sea pen. Let her live in retirement. And they are just, like, milking her for all she's worth. Keeping her in this tiny tank. Performing with her. And, like, it's just... Like, she's literally one of the only whales that has not had, like, an aggressive incident with a trainer in captivity. So it's just horrifying. So that's... My little soapbox of be aware of that and I don't know, sign a petition or two or don't you know, go to SeaWorld. Me, like, don't go to the Seaquarium or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Don't support this shit. Don't stand for it. Yeah. I have fucking like recurring dreams about like giant whales being kept in tiny cages in captivity. Like, I have dreams about this all the fucking time and I always just feel so awful. Ugh. Point is. Do not keep killer whales in captivity. Do not. Do not do this And thing. this is how we get back to swoosh. Go watch Blackfish. <laughs> I haven't seen it because I'm sad about it. But Oh, I've watched it like four times. It enrages me every yeah. time. People should watch it to know. It is extremely sad, but like... It's some of the stories about the orca. And like, it. the worst part is, is that the trainers that they pick aren't people that are qualified to work with animals. They pick pretty people that look good in shows and, like, are really, like, upbeat to encourage the crowds. Like, these people are not animal husbandry experts for orcas. And a lot of them love the orca. Like, they want to work with them and they truly love these animals. And then once they realize, like, 
how badly they're being treated and how horrible this place is for them, they're like, oh, God, we got to get out of here. And, like, a lot of the times they're like, well, I stayed for the whales for so long because I thought if I didn't take care of them, like, who would? They're already in such a shitty situation. So I feel bad because, like, I know that they feel bad, but also it's like, God, get a sea pen going somewhere, for Christ's sake. Like... We can't let Keiko be the only one. And that's the other thing. Everybody's like, Keiko wasn't a success. That's why they can't let other orcas in captivity go. And it's like, no, it was a success. Just because he got sick and died doesn't negate the months that he got to spend, like, being free Mm -hmm. and, like, going through the wild and talking. Like, oh, my God. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, he never fully made it on his own. Like, he was never fully away from people. But, like, he got out there. And that's that's step one. Yeah. Sorry, I don't know what happened to me. I'm, I'm so, so mad sorry. about animals now. Fucking don't buy tiger cubs. Don't fucking do this shit. Leave wild animals in yeah. the wild, please. Yeah. <sighs> Absolutely. Fucking so mad at Michael Jackson now. Because he sang the Free Willy song? <laughs> no, because he had like like wild animals. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. That was the only thing I could think of when you said Michael Jackson. Anyway. I don't know. There's so much weird shit. Like, so I was reading something about Elizabeth Taylor the other day. I don't know why. Every once in a while, I, like, remember she's a person and, like, (laughs) she was a good horseback rider. So, like, I read something about her. I'm like, she rode horses. Interesting. (laughs) And, like... They had a whole weird thing going on where they were, like, best friends and they do shit, like, buy each other elephants and, like, bring elephants to each other's house. It was very fucking weird. And I'm always, like, like, there was one article I was reading specifically where, like, oh, Elizabeth Taylor showed up at Neverland Ranch and said, like, I have a gift for you. I don't know if any of the setting there was true, but she showed up at wherever he lived and was, like... I have a gift for you and, like, brought an elephant in. I'm like, can you imagine thinking of another sentient creature as a gift? Like, that's the weirdest fucking thing I've ever that's heard. Garbage. It's complete garbage. Yeah. Um, another PSA, do not give animals as gifts. Do not give puppies to your kids on Christmas. That's that's garbage. Don't do that. Don't give chicks to kids at oh Easter my God. or bunnies. Yes, don't. Just, oh. If you're gonna bring an animal into your home, make sure A, it's legal, and B, that you're prepared to take care of it, you fucks. Yeah, for its entire yes, life. and not just when it stops being cute, you fucks. I'm sorry, I'm really mad. I'm really mad! Ugh! Yeah. God. No, I, I agree. I'm extremely angry as God. well. God. grinds my gears. Speaking of mad, Marco says <laughs> some bad shit, probably. Uh, no, Marco doesn't say any bad. Oh, I just, I just have, I just have a note in my notes that says Marco. Period, and I was like, oh, he oh. probably said something rude. Um, <laughs> not to the best of my memory. Okay. And at this point, like, at this point, we'd cut to uh, Jake and Marco flying over the Yerk Pool complex. They're basically they've just been doing surveillance for days because they figure at some point this sea blade is gonna take off, and they just want to be there when it happens. Uh, and Jake is like, I cannot wait to get home. I'm counting down the minutes until I can leave and go veg out on the couch. Axe and Tobias are on their way here to take over. I cannot wait to leave. 
Um, and then they spot something directly below them. They realize they're flying over an empty lot and it like looks kind of weird. When they're directly over top of it, they can kind of see a disturbance that looks like, oh, it's a hologram or a force field or something. And then as Jake observes it, he's like, oh, you idiot. It's a brand new fence with razor wire on the top on an empty lot. Of course this is where it is. Um, and so finally they're like, aha, something happened. And they're checking this out when suddenly the ship they had been waiting for rises up out of this hologram as if they said it was being lifted from below. And the noise was insane, but it's masked by the passing traffic. And they're like, oh my God. Okay. What do we do? So Jake and Marco are planning this mission out at lightning speed. Jake's like, I'm going to follow it because Jake's like, I have a peregrine that's faster than an osprey. Mm -hmm. They're like, I know. (laughs) Peregrines. Mm. Only in a dive, Jake. Flying level, you don't have that much shit on everybody else. (laughs) So suck it. (laughs) Anyways. um... (laughs) Goodness. (laughs) (laughs) That leftover rage is seeping out now. Uh, So Jake's he's going to follow this ship while Marco goes and gets everybody else. Jake's like, you should pass Axe and Tobias. Just send them and then you keep going. Get Rachel and Cassie. Great. Jake's going to pursue the ship. He has no hope of catching it. And he knows that. But as long as he can keep it in his sights, he should be okay. So sure enough, this ship shoots up and starts flying. And Jake is like, fuck, I'm already screwed because I don't have any altitude. How many times has Tobias told me altitude equals speed? And so he's like struggling after this thing. Luckily, he's able to keep an eye on it. And he's like flapping as hard as he can because, of course, not only did he not get any altitude, it's now evening time. So there's not a ton of thermals. So he is just like dying. His muscles are screaming in an agony. And finally... He gets to where the beach is. Jake's like, please dive. Whatever you do, don't make me fly anymore. And luckily enough, or also logically enough, it is a sea ship. It splashes down into the water and Jake dives in after it. And Jake is like, maybe I'm trapped in morph. I don't know how long it's been. Hopefully not. And so Jake like starts demorphing. He's like, oh, great, this worked. And then he's a good boy again, but not he's for long. a good boy again. <laughs> That's what it says in my notes. He is a good boy again. I'm a real boy. I'm a real boy. Uh, so, Jake hits the water, goes into the coolest morph ever, the killer whale, which is amazing. Like, okay, so here's, it's like, a really cool part of the book that when I was a kid, I was like, this is amazing. Because, you know, when you believe everything people write? Yeah. And I actually thought that this was a real, like, no, I knew it wasn't a real experience, but I'm like, obviously the author knows this was fucking amazing. So anyways, um, the animal brain, so the orca brain can actually sense that there is somebody else, like, in there controlling the body. And Jake is like, yeah, it's so amazing. And Jake's like, I got a little nervous. Like, I know it can't hurt me in here. And, like, I'm in control. But, like, it's crazy that this creature is sentient enough to know that. So oh, I loved it. Oh, this is... It was so This good. is the point I thought that, like, that was going to be a major kind of plot point. Yeah, same. <laughs> because he says <laughs> in the description that he was, like, a weird mutation. I think. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, my God, it's the title of the book. They said the title of the book in the book. Um, 
yeah, so I thought he was going to, like, lose control of the morph somehow, or if they are going to battle for control, and I thought it was going to be, like, an Aldrea Cassie situation again. Yep, or that the Orca would, like, take over at a certain uh, moment, or, like, yeah. But no. no. God damn it. This is another bend in the twisty yep. straw. <laughs> I freaking love this <laughs> metaphor. It's so good. So apropos. Oh, God. It's insane. So Jake fires off some echolocation. He sees this sea blade in front of him, and he's like, "They're they've spotted me because they are completely stationary in the water, and of course they're gonna like know that I'm pinging off of them with the echolocation." But then a second later, a navy plane flies over and ends up dropping this buoy with a sensor. And he's like, "Oh, we caught the maiden voyage of this thing. It's not that they know I'm here necessarily." It's that they're trying to track the progress of the ship. Okay, cool. And then he has a moment where he's like, oh, that's crazy that they can control the Navy. That's probably not good. Oh, well. It's <laughs> like a one-off comment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Christ, like, Jake. probably not good. Make a mental note. We'll put a pin in that. Yeah. Then the most awesome thing the Yerks have ever come up with happens. The ship cloaks itself and it looks and sounds like a whale. That's awesome. It's fucking amazing. Like, how intelligent... Like, they're blending in with their surroundings for real, Finally, though. Finally, Fizzer 3. Finally! 36 books in, not including Chronicles and Megamorphs, and they're finally getting it. Maybe Fizzer 3 took what Fizzer 1 said to heart from the last book, that he was a completely incompetent idiot. And maybe he was <laughs> he's starting to take some... <laughs> Some more intelligent measures. He went home that night, pulled out his little Andalite journal, and said, Today, Visor One called me incompetent. <laughs> Am I incompetent? Oh, <laughs> Cute! <laughs> oh, it's like a little, it's like a little snap journal that's like pink and fuzzy. <laughs> yes, yes. With the pen with like the spring and the star yes! on the end of it. I yeah. Love this. Yep. <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, except now that we're saying this and as soon as you said the journal and him writing, all I can all that's going through my head right now is uh fuck the line from Firefly or the today I was pompous <laughs> and my, sister, and my was sister was crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can oh, think now. Gross. Yes. Oh god. Okay. Anyways. Jake watches the ship cloak itself as a whale, coolest fucking thing ever, and then, through some stroke of luck, the team manages to catch up to him at this point. Apparently, they delayed long enough that everybody else was able to make it out there and morph to Orca. Great. And they're like, where's the ship? And he's like, see that big whale right there? That's the ship. And they start, like, following this thing, and as they're going, two wild Orca join them, so they're like cool look we got like seven of us here now or eight of us here now this is so cool i don't know however many there are and then they're like okay let's split up and get a good look at this thing and jake splits up the groups and then suddenly the blade ship well sea blade turns and charges jake's team and jake's like oh no the ship fires and two halves of a whale fall away into the depths Mm. and jake freaks right because somebody's dead yeah So he's checking in with everybody, like, who is it? Is everybody okay? Who got hit? And it turns out that that was one of the wild orcas, and it was just dumb luck 
that that's the the whale that they got first. I Rachel didn't sound off though, so I got a little, little concerned at first. Oh yeah, she didn't. He was like, "Oh good, we're all accounted for." And I was like, "Um, excuse me, no we're not." <laughs> Everybody important is accounted for. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus. Uh, that's mean. Why did I say that? Rachel's your favorite, Alex. <laughs> God. I know. I know. Maybe that's why I felt the need to be mean. Because I'm like, you're not paying enough attention to Rachel. So I guess she doesn't even matter to you. <laughs> She's your uh, cousin. She's your cousin, Jake. God. Uh, Yeah, whatever. She's Everybody's fine. They hit a wild orca. Which is sad. Which is really sad. It's horrifying. Yeah. So the ship fires on them again, and it slices off three feet of Jake's dorsal fin. And he's actually told, I think it was Axe that said, you're hit. And Jake's like, no, I'm not. And then he realizes, like, there's blood billowing out around him, and it's clouding the water all around them. And then he sees the part of his dorsal fin falls away, and he's like, oh, fuck, I am hit. Um, Then this thing fires again, hits Jake again, and he just, he's getting sliced up. Like, he's really badly injured. And both Axe and Cassie are like, you've got to demorph. You have to do this right now. And Cassie gets below him and starts pushing him up towards the surface. And Axe comes and helps her. So they're switching off, pushing Jake's body up towards the surface. I know. Um, And Cassie's trying to walk him through the demorph because at this depth, he can't morph his lungs yet. So Cassie's like... You have to start healing, so you gotta demorph the bottom half of your body first and, like, work your way up. And she's trying to, like, walk him through how to do this. And <laughs> I'm in a stream. He's, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I'm gonna teach you how to be in a stream, too. Jake's not good at this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, like, dying, um, <laughs> He's dying. And he's also, like, the more human he gets, the more he realizes how far away he is from the surface. And... Cassie tries this trick that I believe she did with Rachel in an earlier book where she tries to breathe out a bubble of air so that he can, like, suck it up and breathe through it. <laughs> I believe she did that in a very early Rachel book. Maybe. The, the one where the one where Visitor 3 says, eeny, meeny, miny, oh, moo, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Rachel's like, yeah. Yeah. Why do I remember that and, and nothing, nothing else. else about that book? <laughs> they were... Oh, God. Now it's going to bother me, too. That was... That was what that was Cassie's book, right? Where they they got Axe because he was chasing them. So that was yeah. where they rescued Axe from them. Yeah, and they were yeah. Dolphins. okay. So book four, yeah. Oh, Lena, you're so, cute. so that yeah, bringing it back from book four. Anyways, um, Jake gets some air. It's not good enough. He starts to pass out and die, and then finally Cassie gets him up above the surface, and he kind of comes back to consciousness. Jake rolls off of her back and is like, go back, get back down there. You got to go help. And Cassie's like, please take a minute to rest. And Jake is like, absolutely not. You get back in there. And Jake starts morphing back to whale immediately. As soon as he's morphed, he dives down and he can hear his team kind of sniping back and forth at each other below. Like he mentions it sounds a lot like when you're listening to radio chatter during a dog fight, which was a very cool way to think about this. Um, so he gets back down there and they're trying to coordinate an attack at this point, but the blade ship or the sea blade has kind of figured out what they're doing. So it's diving to get below them so that they can't get below the ship, which is what they want to do. Um, Axe is 
also badly injured at this point is missing fins and stuff and jake orders him to the surface to demorph and axe goes no no i have to stay down here and help you this is not going well um so jake's like okay well let's like once again animorph style flip the game board over because we're losing and let's all just charge this thing in a line so they do they line up they charge the ship and like they ram it and they all go bouncing off in different directions stunned and Jake takes a second to, like, figure out which way is up and down. And once he writes himself, he sees that they've actually done some serious damage to the sea blade. It's, like, listing sideways. It's leaking out this black liquid. And then whoever's on the ship just gets pissed off. So just starts firing Drake and beams fucking everywhere <laughs> and turning this thing into, like, a shit show slot. I wonder who that could be. Like, yeah. Who would do such a thing? <laughs> So yeah, like, there's fins flying off. Somebody got their guts, like, their stomach opened up. Their guts are coming out. Somebody has both of their pectoral fins sheared off so they can't swim. And so Jake's, like, trying to, like, lift others up to the surface. And everybody's, like, trying to help each other up. Um, but it turns out Jake also got injured very badly once again. So he also needs somebody to, like, help him towards the surface. Once again, he starts to lose consciousness as he's demorphing because he's like, everybody demorph will make smaller targets. It's a great plan, except for the fact that once again, they are so far below the surface, humans can't survive. This time, it's Rachel that helps Jake. So Jake's demorphing. He gets to human. Rachel just comes up under him as a whale. And to get him those last bits he needs to breathe, like, she realizes they're short on time. So she just powers up and, like, jumps, launches Jake into the air. Like, you got to imagine 30 feet in the air. And he, like, is going from almost unconscious to hitting near the surface with teeth on him. That's what initially wakes him up is he's like, oh, God, there's teeth on me. And then gets launched into the air. He's like, I'm awake now. And then belly flops into the ocean and, like, comes up sputtering and coughing. Like, this is not a good few minutes for Jake. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a pretty fascinating mission because like usually when something goes horribly wrong and somebody gets like really badly injured almost dead they just cut and run Mm -hmm. but the fact that they just keep like going back was really interesting to me yeah and like they mention later like they start talking later on about how like getting the sea blade is really important we have to get rid of the ship but at this point we don't see any reason why they can't, like, leave, regroup, and come back to fight the Seablade another day. Yeah. yeah. Yep, they just keep going to the sidelines, like, demorphing, remorphing, coming yeah. back. tag team. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, a few minutes later, he morphs Orca for the third time, and... Most everybody else has demorphed and remorphed. Uh, one person went to sperm whale. Do you remember if it was Tobias or Rachel? Mm, I couldn't I remember. remember. It was one of those two. It's so unimportant that it doesn't come up again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they're off again looking for the sea blade to make sure that it's destroyed. They find its trail because it's billowing black shit into the water. So, like, easy peasy, we can follow this motherfucker. And they see that it's still, like, listing and leaking fuel, and it's headed towards a cave. And they're like, oh, that cave doesn't look large enough to house that ship. Let's follow it and see if it's, like, trying to hide and if we can get another chance to destroy it. But then 
right before it's going in the cave, they see some humanoid figures that are swimming around it. They're kind of winching it up and like dragging it into this cave, with which just magically opens up wider to swallow the sea blade. And the kids are like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so like, well, I guess we have to follow it. But let's not go as whales or anything that breathes air because we don't know what this cave is like. So they go to the surface, demorph again, remorph to sharks, and come back down. And there's this like moment when they're all bobbing at the surface as human that Jake looks around and sees them all with like their hair plastered to their bodies and their lips are blue because it's so cold and they're obviously exhausted and you know, upset and all that sort of stuff. And he's like, I feel horrible for asking them to morph again, but this is the life. This is what we got to do. So, um, yeah, they head back towards the cave. They start swimming through it and they were talking about how dark it was, how like, this is one of those darknesses that just swallows you whole. And there's not, there's no sources of, of light. And, uh, it's fine, though, because they can smell the liquid coming off the blade ship. And this is when, like, Axe and Marco have this really weird exchange where Marco's like, we're following the fuel. And Axe is like, it could be coolant or it could be the the uh, poops, basically. They could be the in the poops. poops. The poops. Yeah, they're like, the sanitation system could be leaking. And Marco's like, I choose coolant. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So... They get into this cave and follow it until they bonk into a wall. And they're like, somehow we're going through it. So they start to push their way through it. And that's when the shock happens. And I think it's Axe that's like, there appears to be an electrical current running behind here. And that's when the whole tooth thing happens where it's like, Rachel's like, oh, it feels like chewing on tinfoil with a mouthful of fillings. And Marco mocks her. Um, then this cave slowly opens to about a four foot diameter circle. And as it's opening, like part of it is this blinding light and like the cave is almost like kind of folding and swirling away, like in a very weird pattern. And it's not a technology they recognize. It's something totally different. They're like, well, we're going in, I guess. And so they swim through single file, even though this doesn't seem great. Uh, they make it into this tunnel, and while it isn't blindingly bright inside, like, once they're through the opening, it is lighter, and they can see a bank on one side, they can see that there's a surface above them, so Jake's like, let's go see if this air is breathable. Goes up to the surface, demorphs, and he's like, it's humid, it's weirdly cold, but it's breathable, and so he calls the rest of the team up, and they all, like, demorph and start looking around at what's going on. And the first weird fucking thing they see is, like, a giant pirate ship, and it's completely preserved. Like, it, the sails are obviously not billowing, but they're raised, and this thing looks like it sailed right out of, like, a movie or a book. dun 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 Yeah. It was the Black Pearl. Um... At this point, I think it's Tobias who's like, oh, with my great eyes, I spy uh, dudes on this ship. And so they go over there and look at these dudes and he's like, sure enough, there's dudes, but they're all dead. And they're like, oh no, that's not a good thing. They see another ship, a Spanish galleon, 
they report more dead dudes. And, like, not like there's skeletons on the deck and there's dead dudes. Like, there's perfectly preserved dead dudes that are set up like they're doing things, like reading maps or, like, mopping the poop deck or whatever. Like, creepy. This is super weird. It's creepier than creepy. It's so fucking weird. Um, And then the next thing they come up to, it looks like an entire curved black wall. And they're like, what is that? So they send Tobias up to scout it out. And he's like, yo, this is an entire Japanese aircraft carrier. Like, an entire aircraft carrier with planes on top of it. And the team is exhausted, but they're like, we have to go check out this aircraft carrier. There could be things on it that we want. It's like, (laughs) climb on up there. (laughs) There could be loot. We got to go check it out. Who knows? Um, So they climb up there, and Jake is really comforted by the sound of Axe's clip-clopping hooves behind him. He's like, I know he has that tail at the ready. Yeah, it's real cute. (laughs) Um, But... Axe's tail blade is wholly unnecessary because when they, like, jump into the ship to see what's going on, all there is is dead guys set up to watch a screen, like, all staring in their direction. It's very creepy. And it's, they're preserved well enough that the team isn't sure that they're dead. So Marco's the one's, like, the one who is, like, hey, are, are we sure that they're dead? And Rachel's, like, shut up. But, like, in a tone that implies she isn't sure if they're dead either. <laughs> So Axe is the one that's like, Jake, would you like me to go examine the bodies? And Jake's like, yes. Thank God someone volunteered. (laughs) Axe always gets the shit jobs. (sighs) He volunteered. (laughs) Uh, And Cassie went with him. They're like, oh, for Cassie, this was probably like some sort of science-y thing that she would enjoy, I guess. (laughs) It was weird. Like, their reasoning was so weird. Okay. (laughs) Oh. So uh, the rest of the team, it sounds like when Axe and Cassie went in to examine the bodies, the rest of the team went back up onto, like, the aircraft carrier deck of the ship. Where, by the way, just, like, in the planes, there's creepy pilots smiling at them. Dead pilots. Yeah. This is super fucking creepy. Also, why wouldn't you generally stay in that area if... Because, like, on the off chance that the guys weren't dead, wouldn't you want to be there for, for backup purposes? Listen, I'm with Marco this whole time. I I want out of here. I think every time we see a ship, my thought and my interaction is this is too much. We have got to leave. I am with Marco this whole time. You You need to leave. Yeah, I. This is beyond anything I can help with. We gotta call it a day right here. (laughs) So, yeah. I'd be fine with this. I'd be fine walking away from this. Just saying. That's fair. Man. Creepy. So, uh, Axe and Cassie come back after a while, and they're like, yeah, those guys are totally dead. They're also stuffed with some sort of unknown substance, and then sewn back up with some vegetable, vegetative, like, string. (laughs) How did y'all watch? It's these are all haunted dolls. This is just ships full of haunted dolls. Oh, oh god. That's the only thing I can think of. This is like you know 
When you go to House on the Rock. I I don't, you've never been there, No, right? but I got all your uh, Snapchats. So it's basically like yeah. you were there. So that room that you walk into, there's this, it's like multiple floors. Like you keep going upstairs and it just, there's more and more floors. It's got to be like eight floors tall. And in the middle is just a giant spinning carousel of haunted dolls. And on the walls, haunted dolls. That is this. This is that room. It is not good. It's bad. It's bad. And there's steps that you walk up and there's just haunted dolls everywhere. <laughs> oh, I don't like it. I hate it. I hate this. I I hate it. I hate all of um, it. As creeped out as I was. We were going to go there after dark. Oh, Sorry. What? We were going to go there after oh, no. dark. We agreed. Oh, no. And then we bailed because we had to go home. Okay, good. Because you were like, I can't handle these dolls. The haunted energy is too pertinent in this room. I was like, I can't see these dolls and then drive like multiple hours after yeah. this. I can't. Yeah. I'll die. The haunted dolls will crash my car. <laughs> Dear God. Um, as creeped out as I was about this scene, uh, what happens next made me like viscerally uncomfortable. Yes. Um, so after Axe asserts that such lunacy could only be perpetuated by humans, they're like talking shit on the deck of this carrier. And then a giant squawk is heard and a seagull with huge pale eyes. Like the eyes are so big, they touch like the beak, the top of the head, just gigantic flies <sighs> in. It like lands near them and they just are staring at this fucking crazy seagull. That. It's so it, weird. Oh my god. I like, sh I literally shuddered. I like shuddered and I like stood up from my chair and I had to like walk around my house for a bit because I was just like, oh my fucking god, that's gross. Like, it's not even yeah. gross. It's like, it's like probably natural evolution that happened, but like, ah, uh, I didn't like it for reasons I cannot truly explain. It's just, it's just so. <sighs> It's just so uncomfortable. Yeah, just the fact that, like, they were, like, they had huge eyes that were, like, touching the top of the beak. That just, ew. I don't know. Yeah, like, oh. I mean, their eyes are already, like, birds' eyes are already very large in their yeah. heads. So, like, imagining them bigger. No. I don't want to. It's just worse. <laughs> It's, it's like when they took the Beanie Babies and they had the little little bead eyes and then they made the giant fucking scary oh. icky eyes. Oh my god, Beanie Babies are totally the Atlantis. Oh my god, Beanie it's Babies. Them. Oh my god, oh my god, it's it them. Is this is what happened. They were so cute, and then they ruined them. Yeah, except for the bears. Fuck, Fuck the, bears. the bears. I don't know why everybody was so obsessed with the bears as Beanie Babies. They're so dumb. Because they were worth a lot, I guess. Or everyone was like, they're going to be worth a lot. And then they weren't. Listen, if you're into Beanie Babies for the money, you're not into Beanie Babies for the right reason. <laughs> that just reminds me of that couple that you told me about that got divorced and they were dividing up their Beanie Babies. Oh my God, in court? Yes. Oh my God. Anyway. Yeah. No, I was in it for for the love of the Beanie yeah. Baby. Yeah. I wanted them jellyfish. Them rainbow jellyfish. 
good, good beanie babies. Okay. Anyways, we've got to stop yes, talking okay. about beanie babies. Yes. Um, yeah. So this bird was very clearly adapted to life in the dark. And Marco once again says, we have got to leave. We can't. We can't do this, Jake. And Jake's like, nope, we're going in. So they uh, keep going. And Jake's like, everybody gets an owl. Tobias, you stay as a hawk for reasons unbeknownst to me. And they go flying down this weird ass river cruise of horrors and see a ton of different ships from all different time periods with dead people stuffed in them. There's so many haunted doll people. <laughs> it's horrifying. <sighs> Finally, there's some light up ahead. And then the team, like, heads towards the light. I'm not, I didn't really get the scene here. So from what I could tell, there was, like, some opening in this cavern. And it was smaller. And, like, the team approached it to kind of view where the source of the light was coming from and they just kind of got sucked through and tumbled out the other side and tobias literally says what fresh hell is this (laughs) (laughs) yes he gets it (laughs) it's an entire city made of sunken boat parts cute like (laughs) cute (laughs) this is the aesthetic i want to bring to my bathroom it's it's fucking crazy. There's ships, like, stood on end, and then, like, different floors are, like, escape rafts that are hung differently. The very middle pillar of this whole city is, like, a giant cannon, and it's covered in, like, silver and shit. Like, it's very ostentatious. Mm. It's horrifying. <laughs> I um, <hate> <laughs> I hate it. I hate the aesthetic that they have made in this town. Like, maybe the boat parts are cool. Like, sunken boat parts. That's kind of cool. A giant cannon that they cover in silver and gold doesn't do it for me. (laughs) I don't like it. I'd love to see... (laughs) I'd love to see the Queer Eye team do a number on this town. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Bobby, fix it. Bobby fix all of this. What are you going to do with the cannon, Bobby? Oh my god. Uh, So then they, as they're creeping on this town, they notice there's a bunch of humanoid creatures walking around, but they have very blue, oily skin. Rachel comments on the oiliness of the skin and how she hates it. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's her very, like... Okay, so this is how it goes down. They're talking over what these people are like. They have the gills, the webbed feet, the blue, oily skin... Rachel's like, oh, blue skin. And she's like, kind of like referencing Axe. She's like, not that there's anything wrong with blue. I like blue. Blue's a great color. But the I have a blue house with a blue window. <laughs> <laughs> and everything that they see is just blue. Like him. <laughs> inside and outside. <laughs> Thank you for jumping on my train. <laughs> This isn't even the first time this month that I have said that song instead of sung it. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Oh, what is Eiffel 65? So in the middle of this town, they see that the sea blade has been pulled into some sort of a port and Horkbizer are being led off, manacled to each other. And Visitor 3 is nowhere to be seen, but they're like, he's probably morphed on the ship like the fucking coward he is. Oh. 
That was burned from me. They didn't say that. They were like, he's hiding. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So Jake assesses the situation, and he's like, well, if the Hork-Bajar are contained and Visor 3 isn't here, it's gonna be, like, difficult for them to get out of the city, especially because in three days... All of those Yerks are getting starved out. And this is the point where Axe is like, cool story, Jake. We only have 20 minutes left in Morph. And Jake's like, okay, let's refresh these Morphs and then get the fuck out of here and let these guys, like, you know, they're already captured. Fuck them. So the kids fly away from the city and they're just flying over this giant field of, like, lily pad type stuff. Like seaweed, slimy seaweed, lily pad shit. They notice that there's, like, some fake stars above them and, like, fake clouds. They're not really sure how this entire atmosphere thing is working in this underwater cavern, but whatever. They land on these slimy seaweed beds to demorph, and Tobias is acting as a lookout, but not good enough. Because once they get back to human and andalite and they're slipping all over these things... The creatures jump up out of the water below them, these humanoid gill guys, and capture them in a large net. (laughs) And (laughs) Tobias apologizes, and Jake's like, oh no, I fucked this up. Tobias was watching the skies, but this is a land of water. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Jake says this multiple times. It's like, there's another book where this happened, where like... It was all about, like, perspective shifts or whatever, and they kept, like, having to reiterate the same thing. Whatever. Jake keeps forgetting. This is a land of water. Rachel's like, I'm gonna go grizzly and fuck him up, and Marco's like, hell yeah! And Jake's like, no, we're not gonna morph now. We don't know where Visor 3 is or his hork and we don't want to give ourselves away. And Axe is like, well, I am an Andalite. I could cut my way out of the situation. It Axe offers this perfect, easy solution that makes total sense, and Jake's like, I don't want to start a fight. Let's just be captured. Okay. What the... What? What the hell? Okay. What the hell, Jake? Like, this was the most implausible point of the book for me. This is... This is the drinking beer of this book. (laughs) This is why I drink. Decisions like this. (laughs) He was really curious about the Atlantis people. That's that's what it boils down to. He just wanted to know about the Atlantis people. There's no reason to just be captured. So anyways. <laughs> anyway. I'm going to get over it eventually. Are you? No. <laughs> it's been like 20 years. I'm still not over it. Dear God. So... Also, the other thing about this book is I think this is one of my original books, and it got very wet, which I thought was thematically appropriate. The it is very warped. Nice. <laughs> oh. So anyways, the kids are dragged down a wet, slimy hallway, and they can hear in somewhere in the distance hork crying out in pain. And they're like, just ignore it. It's probably fine. They're dragged into this room where they're just unceremoniously dumped on the floor and they're like looking around. They realize they're in front of this huge purple velvet throne encrusted with silver and seashells and probably mother of pearl because it's thematically appropriate. Uh, This throne is surrounded by armed guards, which are these, again, these blue skinned humanoid creatures. And they're carrying the strangest assortment of weapons ever. Like, one of them has a bow and arrow, one of them has a submachine gun, 
One of them has a mace. Like, they, just whatever. It's a free-for-all <laughs> in the weapons department. Um, and they're like, whatever, this is cool. Then they realize that on the throne, there's this blue-skinned queen lady sitting with gigantic eyes. And they once again talk about her eyes and how, like, they're the size of oranges. And each one of her eyelids is, like, the size, like half of a peel of an orange, like, closing down. Like, it's very creepy sounding. This queen starts off by going, ni hao, and the kids are like, oh, that's Chinese. And then, like, she goes on. She says, like, German. She's like, guten tag. And they're like, oh, well, closer, but not quite. She tries Portuguese at one point. Then, finally, she lands on French, where Jake is finally able to be like, oh, bonjour, parlez-vous français, or parlez-vous parlez anglais, because we're not in France now. Sorry. <laughs> My bad. And the queen, like... They, their kids are talking the whole time, by the way. But once Jake asked, do you speak English? The queen's like, of course I speak English. I speak perfect English. Then why? Then the why? Did English? Yeah. Then why didn't you fucking switch to English when they were talking English right in fucking front of you? Yeah. Don't... And especially when she makes a point where it's like, oh, English is like the most common language in the surface yeah. world or whatever. It's like, so why didn't you lead with that over Chinese, you, you... dumb idiot? Yeah, also, this scene is pretty much exactly the same scene from Disney's Atlantis, like, where the explorers meet the meet the citizens. Yeah. And she, like, tries a bunch of different languages, and, and they eventually, like, land on English. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know what this is. Oh, yeah. That word for word is what happened. Yeah. Just that scene. But yeah, I, I, God. Yeah. You dumbass. Yeah. And Marco's the only one that appreciates her sass. He he did say, like, oh, a sassy queen. That's new. <laughs> God, Marco. Uh, so Jake is surprised, but, like, he very quickly adapts to what's going on. And the queen introduces herself as Queen Soko and just demands that they attend a Nartek feast that night. They are the Nartek. They're holding a feast. Jake and friends are going. They have no other option. And Jake was like, I've never felt more like Picard than I do in this moment. Like, <laughs> this is first contact with an alien species, and I am freaking out but trying to play it super cool. And then the queen just ends this all by saying, try not to escape, that's an order, go explore the city. What the fuck? Yeah. Whatever. So they cut to dinner where all the kids are sat at this table made of old weathered wood from a ship, and the chairs that the kids are sitting on are cobbled together from parts of badly destroyed vessels, but the queen and her entourage are sitting on captain's chairs that were stolen from the various ships. Jeez. Yeah. A little obnoxious. So all around them, the table is piled high with fresh, raw fish. Some are whole, some are cut like sushi... Then there's these steel bowls that are filled with seaweed. And then they have cups that are filled with some green liquid shit. And Marco, like, picks up his cup and is observing it. And he can, like, make out this Russian logo on it. So they're like, oh, these are clearly all salvaged from the dead people. Great. <laughs> um, they're trying to come up with a plan. But, like, Jake's, like, really in his own head because the only person he can listen to is Axe. He can't really talk back. And uh, they're trying to, like, figure out, how did we get into this mess in the first place? And what should I have done instead of this? And Axe privately suggests to Jake, like, hey, why don't you ask about the history of these people? So Jake's like, yo, Queen Soko, how did this 
shit show happen. And she <laughs> What like, is your damage? What is your damage, Queen Soko? So she closes her eyes for like a full minute, and when she opens them again, she stares up towards the ceiling. And Jake realizes when all of the guards and stuff take this reverent sort of pose or whatever, that this is some sort of a ritual. So she tells this like really insane story about like how once these people used to be island dwellers in the middle of the ocean, but the island that they lived on started to sink, so they built the walls. The island continued to sink, so they built the walls higher and higher until finally it narrowed and they met together and formed a dome over our city. And then the city continued to sink and the oceans closed in upon us. And we might still be sinking, who knows? And then she talks about, like, we got the glowing rocks that cover the cavern and our bodies adapted at an impressive rate because we're so wonderful. And this whole time acts as, like, backseat commentating to Jake like this story is completely implausible that's bullshit those rocks are definitely radioactive that's definitely why they're like how they are now <laughs> and like it's just awesome like I love Axe in this moment he's great. <laughs> he is great this is probably it's up there with some of my favorite Axe moments Yay. Um, so once she tells this story she I guess ends it and like goes back to talking to them normally and she's like, yeah, so anyways, now we find these ships that sink and and we bring them in here and we study them and we figure out what the service dwellers are doing and like follow the latest trends and it's all cool. And then uh, someone goes, so what do you do when you're finished studying them? And she's like, oh, well, we preserve them. And Rachel's like, oh, so you kill them and stuff them. The queen's like, yeah, yeah, we preserve them. Duh. Mm. So Jake's trying to think of other questions to ask. And the first thing he lands on is like, what are your plans for the sea blade? And Queen Soko goes into this Helmicron-esque rant. Yes. Oh my like, god. She's like, we're going to take the Seablade and we're going to wage war on the Sun Children. We're going to go to the surface and destroy all of them. And, like, she goes on for why? a decent amount of time. Who the fuck? Well, we know why a little later, kind of. Do I don't I? know. Kind of. Okay. So I'm just going to, like skip ahead because it's like literally next chapter in this book they um find a log and they find like it has the uh the records the census of all of the people in this Nertic city and they're like looking at the birth and the death rates and they can see that they're declining like the birth rates are declining so there's less and less of them and then they realize, like, the whole population is really inbred, so that they've been supplementing that population by when people come down there that are still alive. They've been taking their DNA and then using it to uh, try and strengthen the genetic code. But that, of course, results in children that don't have gills sometimes because they're taking DNA from normal people. So the whole point is that they're going to go to the surface so that, like, their people can survive and also so that they can get more DNA. Yes. Like, that's, yeah, that's why they're going to war. But we don't know that yet. That comes up soon, I guess. It's nuts. This whole thing is insane, okay? Yes. There's no, there's no explaining this. <sighs> so, once she finished this rant, Jake starts to ask, okay, so what about, like, the hork And Marco just kicks him under the table. And Axe also back channels him and is like, don't say that. Don't ask about the hork It's very bad. And 
So Jake's like trying to walk it back a bit. And the queen just goes, listen, no more questions. We're done here. She's like, remove the dishes, servants. So they start like taking shit away so that the queen can leave. And then the queen goes, I think it's time for me to question you. How did you get here? And Jake kind of like looks around at Axe and Marco trying to like come up with something on the fly. And the queen says, I see. I'll give you time to work on your lie or to come to your senses. And like she starts to walk out of the room. But right before she exits, she adds, but I'm a magnanimous queen. So you may still explore my city. And then she leaves. Okay. (laughs) Like as soon as she's gone and the kids have kind of left and are away from like the group of of the Nertek people. Marco's like, we have got to leave. And Jake's like, Marco, calm down. Like, everyone can hear you. You're screaming, okay? Just stop. Uh, So they go to, like, this whispered conversation. And they're like, what if we just left the sea blade? And Axe is like, yeah, even if these guys fly to the surface, it could do a little bit of damage. But, like, humans by sheer numbers alone will crush this thing. And they're like, great, fuck the sea blade. We're just going to go. Like, fuck all this shit. And then Marco's like, oh, but they also have, like, U-boats and shit. They might have nukes. And Cassie's like, well, they they can't, like, get through the codes on those nukes, right? Those are protected. Marco's like, yeah, probably not. And Axe is like, well, probably isn't definite. So we should probably destroy the sea blade then if they have nukes. And so the plan officially is A, B, and C, A, find Tobias, B, destroy the sea blade, C, haul their soggy butts out of there. That's the plan. Um, yes. This is when we cut to the library scenes. This is like the next chapter. And they're, this is when they're trying to find out why they haven't been killed yet. Uh, Naka is this guy that's their own personal watchdog. He's one of the, the Nartex that they're whatever. Um, this is where they go through the whole thing where they find out the census and the evolution and blah, blah, blah. This is why they're there. Um, Cassie points out like, hey, so this is probably the reason that they're keeping us alive at this point is they're going to harvest our DNA. And Rachel's like, hey, Marco may finally get a girlfriend, which was very weird and uncomfortable. (laughs) Rachel, no. Rachel, not a good joke. Rachel, take that back. Um... Yeah, and that's, and Cassie, there is a moment where she's like, this could be the only way for these people to survive. They're like, they're just lashing out because they're dying. But that never comes back into play. Like, another thing that, like, yeah. 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 And then, like, also at this point, Axe goes, Prince Jake, have you thought about the fact that Visor 3 might still be on board the Sea Blade? And Jake is like, it's all I think about. It's literally my all-consuming, every waking moment thought is that Visor 3 might still be on board the Sea Blade. (laughs) (laughs) So we cut to Naka, the watchdog, leading them on a tour of the Nartek world. He's like... Here is the first tier where all of the rich people live that we love. They're all well off and wonderful. Here is the second tier. You can kind of see it over there. That's where doctors and shit are. Then, way off in the distance, not even going to show it to you, is a third tier. That's where the poor people that make clothes live. And then, the criminals. They live in shanty towns. And like, well... Naka is going through this whole thing. Marco drifts back to talk with Jake and they're like, 
listen, they might have taken down Visitor 3 already. Like, we got to get out of here. And Jake's like, they didn't take him down. Like, we know that he's a wily dude and he survives a lot. And they kind of get into this argument back and forth uh, while Naka suspiciously watches them, even though he can't hear them. And then all of a sudden more guards start appearing behind them. So, like, Marco and Jake break it off and Naka's leading them again towards a hospital at this point. And these guards are flanking them now, and they're getting closer and closer to this hospital, and Jake's like, something's really off about this. Like, it doesn't feel right. These guys are a little too smooth. Like, maybe they've done this few too many times before. So, as they're le- being led onto this gangway that, like, leads over to where the hospital is, and Jake stops. He's like, nope, I don't want to go to a hospital. And Naka goes, oh, Queen Soka would be mortally offended if you don't go see our state-of-the-art hospital. Jake's like, nope, nope, it's a hospital. I don't want it. But he didn't realize once again that he was on a gangway. So there's water surrounding all of it. And so Nartex shot out of the water, grabbed them, and knock them out. Yay! Yeah. Super helpful. Uh, Jake wakes up a little while later in a lab. He's in some sort of, well, lab-like facility strapped to a table. And Naka is there. And Jake tries to look around to see people, because he can kind of see, like, I think it was Rachel, Cassie. He couldn't see Marco. Um, and he's, like, trying to figure out where everybody is. And Naka's just basically like, don't struggle, it won't do you any good. And Jake's like, what are you doing? And Naka's like, we're going to drug you up, we're going to kill you, we're going to take all your bones and your organs, grind them up, we're going to extract some DNA. And Marco, at this point, interjects, there is much easier way to get DNA out of things. <laughs> and then he's like, yeah, but whatever. Then we're going to stuff you for educational display. And Rachel's like, okay, Jake, can we kick butt now? And Jake is about to answer yes, but then they start drugging these kids up and... Like, they instantaneously stop caring. Like, even Rachel's like, hey, what are you... Well, never mind. This is fine. Um, And, like, Jake's kind of having this almost, like, drunk moment. Like, TV drunk moment where everything's kind of weird. And he sees these fishmen with knives. And, like, he can feel the cold metal pressing on his neck. But he doesn't really care. Then he notices another Nartek walking around. This guy's a medieval lance. And he calls him Sir Fish a lot and then laughs, like, a lot. <laughs> like, too much. Oh, no. Um, then he notices Sir Fish a lot, lifts up the lance and starts beating the crap out of the other Nartek. And then even weirder, Sir Fish a lot starts to grow feathers. And then we kind of, like, cut to ten minutes later when the drugs start wearing off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Jake is able to move and Tobias gives us this really interesting rundown. Like he has been observing this town and, uh, he found out that only about 10% of the population is strong enough to walk around outside of the water for any length of time. Uh, so the guards that they have posted everywhere, carrying weapons surrounding the queen, that is all a show for these kids. Like, 90% of the population has to live in the water because they are so weak. Um, And we can guess that that's a byproduct of the inbreeding stuff. Yeah. Um, Then someone's like, hey, where's Axe, by the way? And Tobias nonchalantly goes over there in that little side room. So they like bust open the side room. They basically just shoved Axe in a refrigerator. Oh, no. Yeah. 
And Axe, like, gets out of there, and he's, like, bristling angry. Like, he leaps out of this thing, like, what the fuck? They didn't think my DNA was good enough to improve their shitty species? <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> it was so good. He's so mad. He's so mad. And then he gets even better because Cassie's like, Axe, don't worry about it. The extraction process was a little intense. And Axe is like, I'm not afraid of needles. And Cassie's like, no, no, no. They cut you open and grind up your bones and organs. And Axe, like, not willing to back down from his rage. He's like, well, that's to be expected from human type creatures. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I, the maddest. Oh, he's so mad. And I love that, like, he did not back down from his rage. Like, that's so out of character for Axe, but it was so funny. <laughs> it's like, I'm mad and I refuse. <laughs> oh. oh, my favorite. Man. Um, then I there was no reason really for me to add this, but I love Rachel and Tobias, so um, Yes! Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> it's this such a fucking adorable scene that I adored. Rachel gives Tobias a hug as best as she can because he's a bird. And then yeah. she's like, You cut it a little close there, Tobias, and he's like, Yeah, it was like really hard to navigate this madhouse and like the guy that I got the morph of was really weak, so it was hard to walk around for a long period of time. And Rachel like just kind of goes well, I just hate it when we get kidnapped and without you and you don't come with us. And Tobias is like, yeah, I was worried about you too. Oh! Oh my god, so cute. Stupid cute kids. (laughs) Get get out of here, you fucking adorable kids. I loved it so much. It was very good. It was very good. Like, it was sweet, but it wasn't, like, overly sweet from Rachel, because that wouldn't be, you know, very appropriate for her because she, yes she's not it was sweet. right yeah it was like it was just her being like her normal kind of aggressive self and tobias just cutting through it like i know what you mean oh i just love I it. loved it oh. <laughs> um adds almost nothing to the plot i just had to leave it in sorry <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so at this point, the doors to this lab are locked and there's like a gathering of Nartek outside that are trying to bust the door down. So Jake's like, oh, look, there's a porthole out of the hospital. Let's check it out. So they all go bird. They fly out of there. And right as like the last person is making it out of the porthole, the Nartek breach the door. Uh, the kids like fly off. They find some alleyway in the city where they're like, okay, let's land here and like demorph, go to battle morphs. Great. And Marco's like, so basically we're going to do this Rachel style. And Jake's like, yes, let's do it Rachel style. Yay. Um, Tobias leads the way because he's the only one that really knows his way around the city. And when they get to the sea blade, he leads them towards an open hatch and then dives in. But Rachel is only a few feet behind him. And so she goes barreling through the few Nartek that were trying to block this entrance And they make it in. They're all trying to, like, work together to, like, slam the hatch shut. Rachel and Marco get it closed. Jake is like, Axe, can you control this thing? And Axe is like, no problem. I just had to bypass the security protocol. Uh, So they're in there. Axe is trying to work. And, like, as they, like, reach this main area, they stop dead. Because all around them, there are stuffed Horkbizers set up like they're controlling this thing. Like, the Nartex set up their weird educational scene and Jake is like, 
we don't have any time to do anything appropriate with these bodies. We just have to push them aside and take control of the ship. So they literally just push aside all of these dead Hork-Bajur that all of them realize were alive, like, not that long ago. So they're all freaked out by it. And they just have to get to work. Um, meanwhile, outside, the queen has managed to procure a large naval gun and is shooting at the sea blade. Um, Jake knows that it won't stand up to this sort of assault for long, so he's like, Axe, how much longer? And Axe is really frustrated because he starts working on the security protocol that he thought was going to be easy to breach, and it turns out it is very complex. So Axe is working on this. The gun keeps firing, and it's rocking the ship hard enough to throw Axe off of his feet and, like, send people flying. And they finally hit and blow open the hatch. So Jake tells Axe, you stay on this, everybody else with me, Tobias, rear guard, we gotta go and, like, basically just fight our way out of here. So they run to the hatch, the Nartex starts swarming in, and it's this bottleneck situation, so that's to their advantage, but they just have to, like, fight it out. So Jake is first, and he's, like, swatting them down and slashing and knocking them over and all that sort of stuff, and he's keeping them at bay for a while, and then he gets a spear to the head, so he kind of fades back. He lets Rachel step up. So she goes in there and she starts taking down a ton of Nartek. Um, at one point she grabs one, uses him as a shield, which stops them from shooting, but they're still slashing at her and things. Um, and she she's doing well for a while and then she gets a javelin through the shoulder and so she has to back off. Marco's next. He's like punching through everybody. Cassie's tearing through everybody. Even Tobias gets in there and because their eyes were such a huge target, he's like very easily disposing of the Nartex by blinding them. And Jake is like, this is fine for now, but something has to give. And that's when they hear this loud whoosh. Suddenly from behind them, there's this very intense heat and light and flames and these flames start shooting out at the Nartek and burning them alive. And it's this horrifying scene where it smells like burning flesh. There's bodies everywhere being burned alive. Even the dead ones are being burned. And that's when they realize it's the Vizzer. And uh, I think there's a sassy moment where somebody asks, how do you know it's Vizzer 3? And Axe is like, this is the this like flam blah 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 from the moon of blah blah blah. Of course it's Vizzer 3. <laughs> <laughs> um and he's just kind of indiscriminately killing all the Nartek around them. And Jake doesn't like this. He's like, this isn't like the honor of one-on-one -on -one battle. This is just senseless killing. <sighs> and then Vizzer 3 is like, well, Andalite talking to Axe. He's like, why don't you take off? Oh, that's right. You can't. Not without my help. So there's this you weird dick. standoff. He's such a dick. And there's this weird standoff where they're like, He's like, you need my help to take off. Otherwise, we're going to be destroyed by be destroyed by these primitive human weapons, which, well, primitive are effective at this range. And Jake wants to say no, and everybody's like, just say no to him. Like, don't don't do this. Blah blah blah. And Jake even says like, and if I say no, and the visitor's like, well, then I guess we just play this weird cat and mouse game until the Nartek catch us and turn us into weird creatures that are stuffed with seaweed and shit. And uh. They're like, okay, great. And uh, so Jake's like, why are you offering us this deal? And Vizzer 3 goes, I can't fly this thing alone. And my crew, and he gestures around to all the dead hork are currently incapacitated. 
Nobody wants to make this deal. Literally everybody on the team is like, do not do this. Do not take this deal. No. And Jake's like, I'm going to take the deal. And Rachel's like, are you nuts? And Jake's like, I hope not, but we'll find out. And then he's like, all right, Vizzer, we accept your offer. So the Vizzer gets a ship online and then basically steps back and says, okay, Axe, you do this shit now. He doesn't call him Axe. He doesn't know his name. He just says, like, you do this. And then uh, he's like, and someone take the weapon station. And Jake's like, Rachel, go take the weapon station. Why not Marco, who's done this before? I will never know. Yeah. But whatever. Whatever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's like, Rachel, go take the weapons. Axe will tell you what to do. And then Jake goes and says, Marco, go hold the hatch shut. And Visitor 3 questions him. When he sees Marco walking away, he's like, where is he going? And Jake is like, he's going to take the sword out of his chest and he doesn't want to be in front of you when he screams in pain. Which was weird that yeah. the wizard just accepted that and that Jake said that. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Um, whatever. And Marco's saying to Jake, like, hey, man, I can hold the hatch now, but if we go underwater, I cannot hold this thing against water pressure. It will not work. And Jake's like, just go. Like, it's fine. We'll figure it out. We've got this. So Jake orders them to fire. Visitor 3 gets extremely upset. He's like, I give the orders on this ship. And Jake's like, not to my people, and like blows him off. Like Visitor 3 doesn't even say <laughs> shit back to him. Like Jake just totally shuts him down. Oh my god. Yeah. So they start like blowing through the cave and they dive under like the, the kind of like river part of the water, but like nothing deep right now. So Marco's still able to hold the hatch. That's about the time they realize there's a German U-boat following them. And Hooray. so X, yeah creepy okay um so axe instructs rachel like hey here's how to fire on just the rudder to disable the boat you won't kill anybody great rachel does it awesome job the thing flips over it's all great and visitor three of course is just sitting back here this whole time and mocking them like oh the you know the sensibilities of andalites they won't do this and like of course the andalites have their high moral ground until it doesn't serve them anymore and then they change their tune like just going off and not <laughs> helping at all <laughs> he's such an asshole he's such an asshole <sighs> so they're that's all going down but they're interrupted because this u-boat fires off some torpedoes at them and that's about when Jake's like, all right, the grand master stroke that I've been working on. And he's like, okay, Marco, let go of the hatch. Axe, kill the engines. And the water from the hatch being open just floods the ship, like, very quickly. And Jake has just enough time to say to Visitor 3, how well does that fire creature morph of yours work underwater? And of course, it was already, like, the flame was going out. It was going very badly for Visitor 3. So he starts demorphing to get out of there and jake orders rachel to grab tobias hold on to him tightly because he's a bird and they're about to go underwater visitor three is doing his own shit not paying attention to anybody and then the first of the torpedoes hits the ship and the concussive powers of it just knock jake senseless like his eardrums go crazy he bumps into like the the part of the bridge and he's confused doesn't really know up from down but the tiger does so he goes on instinct alone starts swimming up Another uh, of the torpedoes hits the ship and it kind of breaks open. Everybody gets sucked out of this hole that's just appeared in the hull of the ship and they start going fast towards the surface. Um, Jake makes it all the way to the top. 
bursts out of the water and then like just starts breathing and like demorphing and and getting okay. Um, And they find out that they're right by the Japanese ship that they saw earlier. So Jake takes a look at it and then starts sinking down to demorph and go to Hammerhead. Once he makes it to Hammerhead, he goes and meets up with the rest of the team. Five sharks, one orca. Cassie was the orca. For some reason, I notated it here. (laughs) Who can tell? He asks if anybody has seen Visitor 3, and Cassie goes, yeah, I echolocated something that looks like some sort of squid-like creature making its way towards land. So he survived, but barely. And they had survived, also barely. And Jake realizes that all of his decisions that he made today would keep him up at night for a long time, but he had learned to live with it and to do better next time and to be happy with the fact that everybody got home alive. Rachel interrupts this internal dialogue by saying, we gotta destroy this place. This place fucking sucks. (laughs) And Axe is like, well, it wasn't a pleasant place, but the people down here that they've preserved, this, none of this has to do with the Nartak. These weapons are all land weapons, modern weapons created by you guys. These ships, they didn't sink because the Nartek hunted them. They sunk in battles with each other in wars. Like, this this has almost nothing to do with them. This is all on your people, not the Nartek people. And Rachel's quiet for a minute. And she's like, okay, well, that's fair enough. But if this war ever ends and the truth ever comes out, we need to come back down here to bury the dead. And that is how this book ends. Wee! Yes. What a yes. nut house. And this, this ending not ending, this final ending, is the just blindly searching around for the straw that never quite lands in the mouth appropriately <laughs> because it the point was not made. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's this book. That was a book. That was a book. <laughs> we did a book. I mean, there was some really good stuff in the book. I will say that um, lately when I've been reading some of the books, like thinking back on the Cassie book and and that sort of stuff, it's been difficult for me to take notes because it's it's been kind of a slog. Like, there's been a lot of stuff to get through that I haven't necessarily being pumped to like get through sure but this one was really easy for me like it was a really quick book to to like just kind of go through and i think part of that was because of the one-off nature of it Mm -hmm. and part of it was like it was kind of fun to have a silly romp even though this is ridiculous yeah that's like after i read it i was like oh man that was that was kind of fun but mm-hmm. also it was crazy and it didn't, like, make sense with the rest of the series. Yeah, it's it's insane. It's yeah. absolutely bonkers, nuthouse insane. But it was kind of fun. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Um, yeah. Some of, the, some of the character decisions I didn't feel were super on point. No, but... none of them. None of Jake's decisions were good. <laughs> there were a lot of dirty jokes. There's yeah in this book yes like we didn't we didn't call out any of them but like no God Marco was just like out of control yeah they they didn't uh, land as offensively as they have in the past for sure 
But there there was a lot of dirty jokes, yeah. Oh, oh, one reference that I really loved um, was mm-hmm. when Rachel was a bear at the weapons station, Jake described her Trent Reznor nails, like, gripping the the gun or whatever. <laughs> and I was yes. like, that was such an unnecessary reference, but I kind of love it. Yeah. She used her nine-inch nails! <laughs> it, like, this was a book of unnecessary from start to finish it was very extra it was very extra the overall feeling of this book was completely unnecessary much like the superman shirt that david Tennant wore in the gif i sent you (laughs) (laughs) dear god we should post this gif on the thing i'm going to i think (laughs) i think i have to before we we do this episode yes do we want to like Go on a character ratings? I guess, because like all the rest of my notes just have to do with characters mostly. Okay. How do we feel about Jake? Um I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Jake. Do you want to come back to him at the end? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. What about Rachel? Rachel's excellent. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> what can I say? She's just, she is amazing in this book. She's just great. Five. Five. Straight five. I might... Well, she did have that bad joke about Marco getting a girlfriend, which I didn't... I don't... I'm, I'm dismissing that because okay. of her excellent moment with Tobias that I felt necessary to, to call out for no reason. Oh, oh, another moment that they had was when they were orcos and they were attacking the ship. She mm-hmm. and Tobias, like, rammed the ship together. Like, each of them, like, yes. took a side and rammed it. And everyone was like, whoa, good hit, you guys. And I was like, oh, look at them. They're like a little dream team. Was that the one where they rammed it and Axe goes, that is an impressive dent. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I loved that. Oh, I love that. I love that, too. It's great. I love that so much. It was great. Um, okay, then what do you feel about Tobias, since we're already here? Uh, he's good. <laughs> yeah he's kind of missing for a lot of the book yeah he he was a bird he was a bird was a bird not not doing much but then he came by in the end and saved everybody yeah he had multiple epic saves and he never once complained about being underwater yes even though jake said he was going to and jake was wrong yeah. jake was wrong i'm giving him a five fuck it okay uh what do we feel about axe (laughs) (laughs) cackles my good boy um i don't know i he's very good but also he needed more more quips i think like i so okay here's how i feel i think a lot of the characters were really funny in this book like, mm-hmm. Tobias, Rachel, Marco, well, Marco. Um, but, like, there was a lot of, like, comedy kind of going on, I thought. But not a lot from Axe. Unless I'm, yeah. like, missing something. No, there wasn't a lot of... Because I was looking out for it, too, in the book, and there wasn't a lot. Yeah. Like, there was... I think with the amount of comedy that was in this book, I think there was plenty of opportunity for Axe, but he yeah. kind of was designated to the more like serious role but he was very like i liked how academic he was yeah and i liked like that whole scene where he was like telling jake like oh yeah these guys are full of shit because of a b and c and 
he wasn't like being an asshole about it for the mm-hmm. most part. Like the only time he got a little speciest was when he was like, Oh yeah. Oh, this like primitive work is obviously the work of humans, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, yeah. he was just like really good and helpful. I thought, I don't know. Yeah, and I, like, I think the times where he was funny, a lot of it had more to do with the situation they were in. Like, when he's really angry and coming out of the the refrigerator, like, it wasn't his normal, like, let me quote a soap opera or talk about Cinnabon, but it was very funny yeah. how mad he was. Yes. So, yes. I liked that, too. Yeah. Okay. Who am I kidding? I'm going to give him a five, because he's my favorite. I'm just, I'm going to give him a five- were you going to threaten me to give him a five? <laughs> no. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't you dare not give him a five. No. My- I thought that's where you were going with that. And I, was, and I was so relieved when five came out of my mouth. I thought you were going to. I'm sorry. No, know. I'm trying to reprimand my cat who is trying to ruin everything. Oh. I'm so God, sorry. She's my been- heart rate's elevated. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I'm sorry for my cat. She's been horrible these past few recordings. Goodbye. That's okay. We can. We can sell her to the circus. The amazing three-legged cat. Um, What will she do? No tricks. She's a cat. Don't be stupid. Just look at her. Just look at her. She has three legs. Is that not enough for you? (laughs) Cassie. Yeah, Cassie. Uh, I have a rating. Do you want to go first? I'm just... (laughs) I don't know. There was that whole, like, vengeance thing, which was really out of character. And, and, I don't know. And didn't play out! It didn't! And, like, they made such a big deal about, like, like foreshadowing for it. And, and then they, yeah, it just didn't. It's like, okay. So, there's the first, like, three chapters of this book where Cassie has the emergency she rises to the occasion and does surgery off screen mm-hmm. on a hork which is something she was terrified to do with axe but she's clearly like gained some sort of confidence in herself yeah. and attempted that surgery yeah then there's the whole thing where she talks the hork through letting han go and saying this is too much we have to know when it's time to say goodbye and then she has the scene with Jake where they just, like, she goes to him for comfort and they just hold each other and have this moment that's sweet for them as a couple, but also, I think, important for them as teammates and, like, figuring out how to comfort each other in these roles that only they can understand as well as their friends. Yeah. Then we have the entire fucking rest of the book. <laughs> <laughs> she started off so strong. She did. She was amazing in those first few chapters. And then she got mad, and then she wanted vengeance, and then kind of not much of anything other than maybe feeling bad for the for the Nartek in the library when she realizes that they're inbred and they're trying to do whatever to save their people. Yeah. It's like, what happened? It was like the biggest disappointment. Like, she was... Yeah! <sighs> it's the biggest tease that didn't it play was. out. It was! I thought she was going to play a major role in this book, especially since... It's a Jake book, but 
Yeah, but not really. I mean, she did. To be fair, she did do some awesome stuff as an orca and saving Jake and like trying to talk him through how to morph and like yeah, breathe through my blowhole, which I was a little like grossed out by, but that's just me. Um, I swear it's happened before. I swear it happened in book four. Yeah, but there was a moment where like Jake woke up and he was human and his mouth was like stuck to her blowhole and I was just like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> I don't. There's a lot of gross shit in this book. It was yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I was, I was very disappointed with the way Cassie ended up being written. That first yeah. scene though was really good, but yeah, then it just kind of like. Do you want to go first? No. Okay. I'm going to give her a three and a half. Okay. Because so much promise and then nothing. <laughs> Again, because it's totally Cassie's fault. It's, n- I mean, it's a little bit her fault. <laughs> <laughs> For being angry and vengeful, the rest of it's not her That's- fault. Uh <sighs> Yeah, because she was like, this whole mission is about vengeance. Like, she made a point Everyone was like, oh, this mission's kind of pointless or whatever. She's like, no, it's about vengeance. And I'm like, no. Who are you? Yeah. What have you done no. with Cassie? Um, but then, like, nothing even comes of it. It's, like, not even, like, oh, Cassie just went through this journey. And this, like, clearly the war is wearing on her. And the book is about, like, Jake's going on this mission. But also he's trying to work with Cassie and, like, figure out how to... to heal her as a teammate and a girlfriend like there's this whole story Uh that they just lined up beautifully and then nothing i know that's frustrating okay i'll agree with your rating you don't have to (laughs) okay uh what about marco (laughs) so many bad jokes i um... yeah I, I realized I looked back and I looked um, in the part where I, I thought he made a bad joke and then you didn't remember it. Um, yeah, he he and Jake were like scoping out the uh, where the ship might be and mm-hmm. near the mall. And um, he <laughs> was like, hey, you looking at that girl in the bikini driving the Mazda? Oh, yeah. Like, I feel Ugh. like the, the the lady jokes are increasing as the books go on, and I'm not a fan. I and mean, I... are they because we got less Baywatch jokes? Yeah, true. I feel like he just replaced the term Baywatch with ladies. Yeah, and and then when they were down in the city, he was like, ooh, that, that fish girl has a really nice body. And I was just like, please stop. Oh, yeah, that fish girl body one, too. Ooh. <sighs> Did he do any good things that we can redeem him on, or are we just gonna... I mean, he took a sword to the chest and continued Yeah, yeah, to... they've all done that. Yeah, Who hasn't? I don't know. Like, we've talked about Marco and his, his misogynistic jokes mm-hmm. to death already, but, like, it doesn't mean I am not continuously tired <laughs> by it on a personal level. Yeah. I still and love like, him, but stop. Of course, yeah. And I, like... I feel like we've talked about this too, so I'll I'll skip through it quickly. But like, it's that thing of we can still like love a character with flaws, even though yeah, you know, even I will, though we don't appreciate it. I will still call him out on his bullshit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't know he, but like, he did 
do... I did think it was very funny when the queen was going on her Helmicron rant. Like, half of Jake's perspective while the queen was going on about, like, we will destroy, blah, 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 was just him shooting looks at Marco at every point in her speech that he knew Marco was going to insert a joke or do something dumb. So it was like... She said this, Marco rolled his eyes. I shot him a look so he didn't say anything. I could sense Marco was about to say something, so I kicked him under the table. Yeah. Marco was going to respond. So, like, that was funny. Yeah. I liked that. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's Fuck it. I'm giving him a two. Oh! I don't know. I think he deserves it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Jake. (laughs) I don't know. Again, a lot of questionable character choices. He made so many bad decisions. I mean, but he's made bad decisions before, but still in character. This this time I felt like, uh, I don't know. He, yeah, this time it was more like, I've played the game the responsible way. What if I just try to, like, neg my character to shit? <laughs> sure. But, like, I didn't ever find him unlikable. Even when I was questioning his decisions. Yeah. yeah. I, it, you know, I still enjoyed him. Yeah. Oh. 3.75. Yeah, I'll agree with that. 3.75. <laughs> oh. I was very disappointed that we didn't get more of the Pemelite ship, our favorite NPC. The Pemelites did not even factor into this book. Nope. No Eric either. No Eric. Brief mention of the Chi, no Eric. Didn't go to the Navy subcompound. There was so much setup, and 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 then it just kind of diverted into Atlantis. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can only hope that the next book is better. Well, it's a Rachel book, so yeah. Is it the Cheetah book or is that? Yeah. Wait, it is. It's the Cheetah book. Yeah. <gasps> okay. This is oh, this is exciting because this is the only other Animorphs book I've ever owned. I don't remember. You owned it? I had book three and I had this book with Rachel as a cheetah. I don't remember one thing from it, but I'm excited to read it again and see if that still holds up. Okay. I can see why your Animorphs career was (laughs) short-lived. Oh, no. You had a wacky amount of books, my friend. Book three to this cheetah book would be a wild ride. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I'm, not to get too far ahead of myself, but I am more excited for the Axe book that comes after it. <gasps> There's an Axe book coming! Oh! Yeah. Yay. And it's gonna be a buck wild. Awesome. So. But first we have a Rachel book, and I am extremely excited to get back to Rachel into my little comfort zone bubble that is Rachel. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Should we let's wrap wrap this shit show up? Yeah. All right. If you want to talk to me about my gift theory that I just made for you, my (laughs) masters, my master symphony that I wove for you in this audio podcast, you can email those thoughts and I assume praise to me at anonymousanimorphs at gmail.com. You can also tweet it to me at anon. You can uh, respond to another type of masterpiece by images that I create, my shitty, terrible images, no. at Animorphs Anonymous on Instagram. <laughs> 
You can go on our Facebook page, which is Animorphs Anonymous on Facebook, or our super secret, super awesome group, the Andalite Bandalites, which is facebook.com slash group slash Animorphs Anonymous. If you want to listen to our podcast on a different podcast hosting site, you have many to choose from. Uh, we are on I Google was hoping Play. you were going to do the whole thing and saw. I'm sorry. I lost steam. I died. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Um, okay. So we have Google Play, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Podcast Republic, iTunes for an undetermined amount of time, uh, Spotify. Yeah. Sweet. Tell me about your comic. I have a comic. It is called Beside <laughs> You. Um, please read it. You can find it at B-S-I-D-E-Y-O-U-Comic.com, please read it i love it yes please read it it's very good oh i just wish i could work on it soon 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 it's coming yes yes all right well i guess let's just like kind of let the steam of this episode die out and kind of like float listlessly out of the ship and make some sort of half-assed comment that's like a lesson that we learned but it doesn't really mean anything Oh my god. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Bye, I guess. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye.